When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, this is Kieran Tierney. Welcome to the latest edition of Arsenal Audio Programme. Arsenal versus Chelsea, Sunday, December the 29th, Premier League, 2pm. Content, head coach, captain, voice of Arsenal, player feature, academy, match action, Liège versus Arsenal, club culture, community, my story, match action, Arsenal versus Manchester City, Arsenal women, visitors, Action, Everton versus Arsenal. My Arsenal. Teams. Mikel Arteta. Our head coach looks ahead to his first home game in charge of the team. It goes without saying that today's game is an occasion that I'm personally really looking forward to. But above all else, it's a massive test for us and a great opportunity to build momentum and energy. In my mind, energy is everything, in life, in football and in sports. If we are able to generate that energy this afternoon, it will give us all a lift and help to push us forward. I was really pleased with how the fans supported the players at Bournemouth on Boxing Day and I was happy that the players went to see the fans after the game as well because we need that connection. We play for you, the fans. And at the end of the day, you're expecting a lot more from us. We have to give the fans enjoyment. We have to make the fans' lives happier. It's our responsibility to do that, and we have to do everything we can to achieve that. Slowly, we need to build that connection back to where it was, because Emirates Stadium can be a real fortress. That energy is a very powerful force for us, so we need to harness it and use it in any way we can. We haven't had too much time to reflect on Thursday's game, as we've already had to shift our attention to Chelsea, but overall, I was very pleased with the attitude, character and passion that we showed. It was spot on and exactly what I'm after. To be honest, we were probably better than I expected over 90 minutes. A lot of things that happened in the game, we prepared for, and they understood our instructions and tried to take them on board. The only thing we really lacked was our final product in the end. It was frustrating that we couldn't take our chances because it would have given the team a real lift in energy and confidence. But that can happen and now we have to analyse the performance and move on. There's a lot of room for improvement 
but there's also a lot of positives that we can carry over into today's game. The one thing I was worried about on Thursday was how we'd react if we conceded a goal. Dan Gosling went on to give Bournemouth the lead before the break, but I was very pleased with their reaction and the character that they showed. They came in at half-time and their faces and their reactions were spot on. It was all about how much they wanted it and how desperate they were to get back out there. Normally, when you're in this process and you concede a goal, the confidence goes down and a lot of the habits that have happened in the past can come back. But it didn't happen. It happened in the complete opposite sense and that's a really positive thing to take on board. I have already been asked a lot of questions from the media about Mesut Ozil. I told the media when I arrived, everybody at the club has a clean slate with me. I can say since the day that I arrived at London Colney, Mesut's attitude and professionalism has been incredible and his performance against Bournemouth was another really big positive from the match. When we carried out our pre-match preparations and were watching Bournemouth and where we could hurt them, we believed that Mesut could be a key player. He responded, did what he had to do and we could have scored two or three goals because of him. Now we have to maintain those standards. One of the key things we've done in the build-up of today's match against Chelsea has been analysing the individual and collective issues that we've had, the positives and the negatives, to try and convince the players that if they do more of this, then they will be more and more comfortable in the game. If we continue to do that and continue to learn, then we'll be closer to winning football games. I know that Chelsea lost against Southampton at home on Thursday, but they're a terrific team, so it will be a really good test for us. They're capable of being a very, very dangerous side, as shown against Tottenham, and they've got a really interesting mix of youth and experience. Young players like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham have really stepped up and taken their chance in the first team this season, but they've also got players like N'Golo Kante, who help to provide stability behind them. I'm also really looking forward to facing Frank Lampard after all those years of playing against each other. He's done a really good job at Chelsea so far, so we're expecting a tough challenge. Enjoy the game! Come on, Arsenal. There were some good things like our run in the Europa League or me winning the Premier League Golden Boot. However, it could have been so much better had we won the Europa League and clinched a top four place. We will go again in 2020 and do better. Finally, I hope you all had a great Christmas and it's time to spend with family and loved ones, as we did. And that very much works in my house. We had a lot of family and friends over and we had a great time with a big French dinner. It went very quickly and my focus switched back quickly to football and to Arsenal. Let's be ready to put on a great performance today, on and off the pitch. Voice of Arsenal. Everyone at Arsenal is delighted to welcome Mikel Arteta back to the club as our new head coach. Mikel, a former club captain, played for us for five seasons from 2011 to 2016, making 150 appearances and scoring 16 goals. He also won four trophies, the FA Cup and Community Shield, in both 2014 and 2015. Mikel, who has signed a a three-and-a-half-year contract, said, This is a huge honour. Arsenal is one of the biggest clubs in the world. 
We need to be competing for the top trophies in the game, and that's been made very clear to me in my discussions with Stan and Josh Kroenke and the senior people from the club. We all know there is a lot of work to be done to achieve that, but I am confident we'll do it. I'm realistic enough to know it won't happen overnight, but the current squad has plenty of talent, and there is a great pipeline of young players coming through from the academy. Mikel watched our 0-0 draw against Everton from the Goodison Park director's box on December the 21st and took his first training session the following day ahead of our 1-1 draw with Bournemouth on Boxing Day. Head of football, Rao Sanyei, said, We met several top-class candidates and Mikel stood out to every single one of us as the perfect person for us. He understands Arsenal Football Club and what it means to our fans around the world. We look forward to him getting down to work and bringing the best out of our squad as we work to get our season back on track. I must also pay tribute to Freddie Lundberg for his hard work and leadership. Together with Per Matisaka, he has done a vital job for us in difficult circumstances. Freddie and Per are important parts of the Arsenal family and care deeply for this club. Prog fact. Patrick Vieira celebrates winning the Supporters Club Player of the Year on the front of the programme between today's two teams 18 years and two days ago. The Boxing Day match was a significant one for Frank Lampard as he lined up for Chelsea against Arsenal at Highbury for the first time. And he scored, opening the scoring on 31 minutes, but as so often was the case between the two teams during that period, it wasn't enough. Sol Campbell equalised just after half-time, his first gunner's goal, and Sylvain Wiltord grabbed a winner on 71 minutes. The comeback was described as a turning point in our season by manager Arsene Wenger as the team marched on to complete the double, beating Chelsea in the FA Cup final. 100 up for Callum. Callum Chambers made his 100th appearance for the first team when he appeared in the goalless draw with Everton at Goodison Park shortly before Christmas. The defender made his Gunners debut back in August 2014 after signing from Southampton and has had two successful loan spells since then at Middlesbrough and Fulham. The 24-year-old has started 72 of his 100 games, coming on as sub in the other 18. He has scored three goals. He is the sixth player in the current squad to reach a century of appearances and the 221st player in the all-time history of the club to the landmark. Well done, Callum. Here's to the next hundred. Adidas. The Addy Years. A photograph in the hard copy. Martin Hayes slides in Arsenal's second goal, donning Adidas for the first season as Chelsea keeper Tony Godden looks on. Hayes added a second from the spot as Arsenal won the match 3-1 on November the 8th, 1986, the Gunners' opening goal coming from David Rocastle as they surged into the top four. Adidas, bag it. In every domestic programme this season, the club's kit partner, Adidas, are giving away small duffel bags. Just answer this question to be in with a chance of winning. Which 19-year-old central defender was previously on the books at Chelsea? Email your answer, including your full name and address, to programme at arsenal.co.uk or tweet at AFC Programme. 
All entries to us by Friday, January the 3rd, please. One entry per person. Picture of the week in the hard copy. Your home within our home. The Avenel Club, a new hospitality space designed around the glorious anticipation of the game we love. With your own personal coat hook in the cloakroom, self-service beer fridges and live theatre and grazing menus showcasing locally sourced seasonal food, this is match day your way. Sit by the full-height windows to watch the pre-match action or enjoy a more intimate setting where you can socialise with friends. The Avenel Club enables you to savour the build-up before you step out to your luxury padded seat to watch the game. A brass gantry with theatrical lighting and two bespoke lights either side of the central bar that illuminate 15 minutes before kick-off. The marble-etched tables and celebrations of pre-match rituals. When the blinds go down, the music climbs and animated clocks are projected for all to see the countdown to the kick-off. All features point to the game ahead and are designed for fans to discover something new each time they visit. A truly immersive hospitality experience to call your own. The Avenel Club is unique to Arsenal and unique to you. Now taking deposits for season 2020 to 21. Call 0345 262 0001, option 2. Email hospitality at arsenal.co.uk or visit hospitality.arsenal.com. Report it. Discriminatory chanting and antisocial behaviour is offensive to all fans and not tolerated. If you witness any form of offensive behaviour, you can report it to a steward or use our See Something, Say Something service by texting FOUL to 67777 together with a description of the incident. We are proud of the diverse nature of our team, our fans and wider community. Thank you for your support. Abuse Protocol Following the recent investigation into a reported racist incident at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, here's a reminder of the abuse protocol agreed by the footballing authorities. It aims to ensure that racist, homophobic or other abuse directed at players, managers or match officials is effectively addressed and that participants feel protected. The incident should, in the first instance, be brought to the attention of the referee. The referee should report the incident to the home club's safety officer and police via the fourth official. The police and safety officer should seek to identify the person or people responsible and take appropriate action while the match continues. If, within an amount of time agreed by the safety officer and referee, the problem continues, the referee, in consultation with the police and safety officer, may remove the players from the field and suspend the match, allowing the police and safety officer a further opportunity to deal with the problem. If the matter cannot be dealt with satisfactorily, and the welfare of any participants, in terms of the threat of continued abuse, remains at risk, the referee should consider abandoning the match. Any decision to suspend or abandon a match should be taken by the referee after full consultation with the police, safety officer and Premier League match centre. Dave Faber
The club was greatly saddened to learn of the recent death of Dave Faber. Dave was well known to many supporters as Gunaholic, whose huge knowledge of the club garnered over many decades of support and love of everything Arsenal made him one of the club's most popular and respected bloggers. Arsenal Football Club would like to extend sincere sympathies to the Faber family and everyone who knew Dave. His pride in the club was always evident, and we were immensely proud to be able to call him one of our fans. We'll leave the final word to friend and fellow blogger Andrew Mangan, a.k.a. Arsblog, who described Dave as a gent, a sweetheart, a rock, a great friend, a gooner, a mate, a welcoming figure to Arsenal fans from far and wide, and so much more. Matchball Sponsor We received the following message from our Matchball Sponsor, Wayne Way, today. As an Australian Arsenal fan, it has been a lifelong dream to come and watch a London derby. Shout out to Seb, and best of luck to the team. Enjoy the game. Mikel's coaching staff confirmed. Following his appointment last weekend, Mikel has confirmed his core coaching team. Freddy Lundberg remains as assistant coach and is joined by Dutchman Albert Stuvengberg, who is currently assistant manager of the Wales team with Ryan Giger and will also continue in this role until after the European Championships. The experienced Steve Round is also joining the club as an assistant coach. He has coached with Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Everton, Manchester United and England. Finally, Inaki Kane Pavan comes in as goalkeeping coach from Bradford to work with Sal Bieber. We will profile the coaching team in greater depth in the Manchester United programme. Ref Watch. Our referee this afternoon is Craig Pawson from Sheffield. Pawson has been a referee since 1993, working his way up the Football League ladder since the 2008-9 campaign. He made his Premier League debut back in March 2013, and he's since officiated a further 133 top-flight fixtures, showing 25 red cards and 490 yellows. The auctionman took charge of three of our fixtures last term. We recorded two wins and a defeat. Pawson has officiated Arsenal 14 times in the Premier League to date, with our record standing at eight wins, three draws and three defeats. He's shown a total of 15 yellow cards and is yet to send a player off. His assistants today are Lee Betts and Richard West, with Martin Atkinson fourth official. Maidima Masterclass Congratulations to Viviane Maidima, who has been nominated for December's Barclays FA Women's Super League Player of the Month award. The Netherlands International delivered one of the greatest individual performances of all time against Bristol City on December the 1st, scoring six and assisting four in a record-breaking 11-1 victory. Not only was it the biggest win in WSL history, but it was also the most goals scored and assisted by a player in a single WSL fixture. Maidema then scored twice in a 3-0 win over Reading, before scoring twice more against Everton in a 3-1 victory. Our star striker finished December with a total of 10 goals and four assists to her name in the WSL. Mickey works his magic. 
Henrik Mkhitaryan was in stellar form throughout December for his lone side, AS Roma, scoring twice and helping the Italian giants to win three of their four Serie A fixtures. The Armenia international kicked things off by scoring in a 3-1 win over Hellas Verona, then went on to score Roma's third in a 3-1 victory over SPAL and followed this up by featuring in their 4-1 win over Fiorentina. It was a superb way for Mickey to return from seven weeks out injured with a tear in his abductor muscle. Keep it up, Mickey. Martin Peters We were deeply saddened by the death of Martin Peters on December the 21st. The former midfielder, who passed away aged 76 after being diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016, scored the second goal in England's 4-2 win over West Germany in the 1966 World Cup final. He joined West Ham United as a 15-year-old in 1959 and spent 11 years with the Hammers before joining Tottenham Hotspur in 1970. Having won two League Cups and the UEFA Cup with Spurs, he also played for Norwich City and Sheffield United before retiring in 1981. Everyone at Arsenal extends their deepest sympathies to Martin's family and friends. Saliba returns to training. William Saliba returned to Saint-Étienne training last week after spending over a month on the sideline due to injury. The 18-year-old, who is spending the season on loan back at his former club, suffered a crack in his fifth metatarsal during a League One clash with AS Monaco at the start of November and he's seen been working hard to get back on the pitch as soon as possible. The France Youth International remains a key part of Claude Puel's side, with Tantatienne struggling for form in his absence. Saliba has featured in six games throughout 2019-20, winning three, drawing three, and keeping three clean sheets. Saint-Étienne have played 19 fixtures without Saliba, winning five, losing nine, and keeping three clean sheets. Dates for your diary. Burnley versus Arsenal, Sunday, February the 2nd, originally Saturday, February the 1st. Kick-off, 2pm, live on Sky Sports. Arsenal versus Newcastle United, Sunday, February the 16th, originally Saturday, February the 8th. Kick-off for 30pm, live on Sky Sports. Arsenal versus Everton, Sunday, February the 23rd, originally Saturday, February the 22nd. Kick-off, 4.30pm, live on Sky Sports. Manchester City versus Arsenal, Sunday, March the 1st, originally Saturday, February the 29th. Kick-off, 2pm, live on Sky Sports. Above and beyond, Louise Curtin was our star seller at the Manchester City game. Louise showed great enthusiasm, spreading a little early Christmas cheer that we sadly didn't get from the game. She won and added a zipper hoodie. Well done, Louise. Player feature from the archive, Mikel Arteta. Our new head coach played 150 times for us across five seasons between 2011 and 2016 and was interviewed many times on these pages and those of our sister publication, The Arsenal Magazine.
Here we reprise extracts from some of his more notable interviews. Final Captain's Notes Mikel was our captain during the 2014-15 and 2015-16 seasons. His last two campaigns as a professional footballer. He retired in the summer of 2016 and his 150th and final appearance was a 4-0 home win over Aston Villa that secured our second spot on the final day of the season. Here's an extract from his last ever programme notes as captain. Planning these notes was quite emotional for me because this will be the last time I address you as an Arsenal player. My next step is to decide what I want to do next. I have a few options and I have a very clear idea of what I want to do, but I won't go into that now. What I will say is that I'm excited about the future. I've been preparing myself for that. What's clear is that I love the game and I cannot live without football and my family. I've enjoyed every minute. For me it was a dream to come here because I always admired the club. I was so happy and privileged to be part of this club. When you have the chance to get up on those steps at Wembley and lift a trophy, it's unbelievable. Arsenal was my favourite club in England when I was a kid. To become the Arsenal captain and to share the nice moments that we've been through has been a spectacular experience for me. I've tried to take on board all the help and commitment that has been shown by all the players and the staff in every department, who I have tried to bring together. I hope whoever follows me as captain carries on trying to maintain the values of this club because that is what sustains us in the long term. In the last few years, I've tried to encourage the younger players to make a step forward, to participate, organise things and become more vocal. They are the future of the club. It's in their hands and they have to be able to manage that. Hopefully they are prepared for it. Sometimes at the highest level of sport, age can dictate whether you can carry on or not. But some aspects need to be passed from generation to generation. Hopefully they can follow the standards that have been set. I've always had a very good relationship with Arsene Wenger. We've been through difficult moments and really nice moments. But what I will take from him more than anything is the way he's managed the club. The way he handles the pressure and prioritises the principles, ambitions and restrictions of the club in front of his own commitment, ego and what people are expecting. He has the whole picture. Even with massive pressure, he's not guided by it. He's guided by his feelings and what he thinks for the club. He's so loyal and it's very hard to see people like that in football. Finally, I would just like to thank you all so much for the way in which you've supported me during my time here. It's been a huge honour, a privilege, and I can only promise that I've done my best. I try to behave in the most professional way and maximise the resources we have. I'm at peace with that. Our ambition this season was to win the Premier League, and we're so disappointed that we came short with that aim because it's not good enough for this club but I'll always be proud that I was able to help give the fans some trophies, which they had been waiting for a long time for. Winning two FA Cups in a row was special, but for me it's not enough for a club like this. It shouldn't be the ambition. Hopefully the new generation will be better than us and will become fantastic leaders and heroes here. Best and Worst in 2014-15, we ran a regular feature in the programme called Best and Worst. Here are some of Mikkel's answers.
the best thing about being a footballer. Without doubt, the fact you're employed to do what you love doing, and in my case, at one of the best clubs in the world. Moment in football. When I made my debut for Barcelona is one of them. But for me, I take most enjoyment from trying to be consistent and to stay at the highest level throughout my career. I think it's harder to stay at the top level for so many years than it is to get there in the first place. You have to make a lot of sacrifices along the way, so I'm most proud of playing at a high level for so long. Advice received. I remember what Claudio Canigia told me at Rangers. He said, football changes every Saturday and Wednesday. It doesn't matter what you did on Wednesday, Saturday is a new game. So, if you are too down or too high, that will disrupt your attention, because each new game is different. Weather to play football in. I quite like it when it's cold, even if it rains. Other sport to play. Tennis. The worst. Thing about being a footballer. Football can move you to different countries and areas, and you can't control it. It can happen quickly, so you have to adapt, sometimes without your friends and family. Moment in football. Injuries, especially when I did my cruciate and ankle. You face difficult moments and you're not sure when you'll be able to get back. You have to live with your frustrations that you can't contribute to the team. Advice received. I have many examples of these. The thing I don't like to hear is when players say, I have everything I want. What else can I ask for? I think when you think that way, the next step is backwards. Weather to play in. When it's 40 degrees and humid, like when we went to Vietnam. Other sport to play. Darts. Mikel Management. The subject of our magazine interview with Mikel in October 2012 was Future Plants, and the subject of management came up. Here's what he said. It's little secret that many people see you as management material when you hang up your boots. Is that something you think about? My teammates are always going, What are you going to do, Mickey? You're going to be a manager. You should be a manager. I know what the job means and I know how hard it is, especially when I look at the boss and see how many hours he puts in here. You need to sacrifice your family all over again, which I've done since I was 15. But I would love to manage a squad of players and staff. I've got it inside me. It's true, and I want to do it. First of all, I want to make the most of my playing career, because I'm 32. And in this game, you never know whether you'll end up carrying on until 34, 35 or 36. After that, I'm certainly going to stay involved in football, because I think I've got something to add. I would like to prove myself and prove my ideas about managing and encouraging people to do things in the way I believe is best. So, let's imagine that you take over Mikel Arteta FC tomorrow. What will the ideas behind it be? My philosophy will be clear. I will have everyone 120% committed. That's the first thing. If not, you don't play for me. When it's time to work, it's time to work. And when it's time to have fun, then I'm the first one to do it. But that commitment is vital. Then I want the football to be expressive, entertaining. I cannot have a concept of football where everything is based on the opposition. We have to dictate the game. We have to be the ones taking the initiative. And we have to entertain the people coming to watch us. I'm 100% convinced of those things. And I think I could do it.
Will you set your team up in a particular system, or do the players come first? I think you need to adapt. You can have an idea of a system, but you need to be able to transform it depending on the players you have, how much pace you have up front, how technical your team is, what types of risk you can take, and whether your players are ready to take those risks. It's important to analyse your players, because you can't always play the same way. There have to be different details and changes in how you approach things, and you have to look at how you can hurt whoever you are playing against. Is there something they don't like to do? If so, we're going to make them do plenty of it. Then the most important thing for the manager is that, the Friday before the game, you imagine what's going to happen on the Saturday. And if what happens on Saturday is not what I had planned, then it's not been good enough from me. Is there any current manager who particularly influences you? One is Arsene Wenger, of course. He has a philosophy that he's never going to change because he really believes in it. That is the most important thing, because if you don't really believe in something, then you'll just change it after one bad result and drive your players crazy. Another is Pep Guardiola, who I've known since I was 15. The way he sees football is always to look ahead, then further ahead, always improving. Then there's Maurizio Pettuccino. He was my captain at PSG, and I always knew he would become a manager. He has taken a lot of influence from Marcello Bielsa, who was his coach with Argentina. They used to talk about things a lot, and now you can see that his teams are really aggressive, both when attacking and defending. He takes a lot of risks. The players enjoy playing for him. His decisions are always sound, and he's got a good personality. I've admired Potticino ever since I was young. He really looked after me when I was at PSG as well. At home with Mikel. Back in December 2014, the Arsenal magazine interviewed Mikel's wife, Lorena Bernal, to find out what he's like away from the pitch. Here are a couple of her answers. How proud were you and your family when Mikel became Arsenal captain? We were all very proud. Arsenal has been one of his favourite teams ever, and to have the opportunity of being their captain is something amazing for him. He's doing very well with it. He cares a lot about the players, the staff, the club, and he's always thinking of ways to improve everything. Mikel is a player that people see as a natural coach-stroke manager. What would you think about that? I agree. He would be a very good one. The way he sees and reads football is pretty amazing. He also likes to manage groups, and he cares a lot for every single one. But who knows? I will support him with any decision he makes. Premier Passions Shortly after joining Arsenal in 2011, we interviewed Mikel about his highlights in the Premier League, having spent nearly seven seasons playing for Everton. Here are some of his answers. Who is your toughest individual opponent in the Premier League? Patrick Vieira, when I played against him. Definitely, he had everything. Technique, strength, pace and a big character. Fortunately, I won't have to face him again now he's retired. Which away team has the best dressing room? When I was at Arsenal, I honestly always thought Arsenal's was best. Your best friend in the league. Tim Cahill. We've known each other for six years. We clicked on the first day at Everton and our families are close too. As a player and a person, he's one of the best. If you could change one thing about the Premier League, what would it be? It's a hard question. 
It's already well respected, a tough competition every week with some of the biggest crowds. I'd give it a bit of sun, maybe. Which Premier League team did you support before arriving? I'm not just saying this, but I was always a big admirer of Arsenal before, although I followed the league in general as well. This concludes Player Feature. Arsenal Academy. Young gun Tyrese John Jules. Around the Academy, Balogun's back. Remember Josh Vickers. Match Reports Youth Cup Drama. Young gun Tyrese John Jules. Talking to Aidan Small. The Basics. Born Westminster, February 14th, 2001. Joined Arsenal under eights. Height and weight, 6 foot 1, 81 kilos. Position, forward. School, Whitefield School, Barnet. I was playing for Charlton under sevens when I was first spotted by Arsenal. And we had a really, really good team at the time. We had a front three of me, Trey Coyle and Callum Hudson-Odoi so we weren't doing too bad at youth level. The goals that we would score were crazy. That year, all three of us were picked up by other clubs. We played a game against Arsenal and Miguel Ruiz was there in the stand scouting me. I remember being so excited when I found out. Most of my family actually support Arsenal too, so it was a massive deal to us. I had offers from West Ham United, Chelsea and other clubs, but Arsenal has always been the club that I wanted to play for. I remember being buzzing to go into school the next day so I could tell everyone. When I think back to my days at Hale End, the first thing I remember is facing Chelsea. They were always massive games and I loved playing in them. Chelsea was always the biggest game of the season for us and I think it's because of a number of things. We're two big London clubs and we're also both known for producing talented young players so that seemed to add a little extra fire. They were always such high quality games too and a number of really good players have been involved in them over recent years. When you look back on those memories, it really puts things into perspective and reminds you how far you've come. I'm desperate to continue improving and pushing for more, but it's good to look back and reflect too. I still remember the first time I trained with the first team. I was a first year training with the under-23s at the time, and then Neil Banfield came over and said they needed another player. I was the player they picked, And I can't lie, I was really nervous at first. I definitely wasn't expecting it, especially as I was a first year. It really threw me off because I knew I had to step it up. But in the end, I relaxed, really enjoyed it and put in a decent performance. I didn't even have time to tell my parents. Once you're called up, you've got to head over there straight away. And I think that makes it easier. You don't want to sit around and think about it too much. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Lacazette and Aubameyang have been especially welcoming to me. They helped to make sure I'd settled in the team and they're always giving me advice from my movement inside the area and linking up with others to finishing and taking penalties. They bring such good vibes to the team too. It does take a while to get used to playing with players like Laka and Abba because they're such big stars and you grow up admiring them. But that's only natural. The more you talk to them, the more you realise they're just like you. The only difference is that they're performing on the biggest stage. One of the things they've stressed to me is that you should always be confident and always believe in yourself. It sounds like basic advice, but it's far easier said than done. They've told me that whenever an idea comes into my mind in training, that I should just try it. They've also told me that I should always be staying behind after training to practice my finishing. They still do it too. I must add that the one player who really stood out to me when I first started joining in with the first team was Mesut Ozil. Players like Mesut see things that very few players can see on the pitch. It's crazy how he can pick out passes that no one else sees coming. So many of the squad have played at a very top level for years, yet they're still unable to read those passes. It's honestly something else. Taking part in first team training has definitely helped me with playing against senior sides too. It's why I felt so comfortable when I scored my first Arsenal goal against Al Nasser last season. I remember going through one-on-one against the keeper and I instantly got a flashback to an academy game I played against Leicester a couple of weeks prior. In that game, I sold the keeper with a fake shot, took a touch to round him and then rolled the ball into the back of the net. So I thought, why not try it again? I started using that finish in training all the time and it was really effective for me. So the next step was finding the right moment to use it in a game. I was so relieved it worked, but now I've got to grab my next opportunity. Tyrese John Jules, The Lowdown. Earliest memory of football. I was five years old when my dad took me to local football training. Got me into football. My mum and dad. First footballer I looked up to? Thierry Henry. Best friend in football? Trey Coyle. Team I supported growing up? Arsenal. Biggest influence? Parents. Best goal of all time? Thierry Henry versus Manchester United. Best goal I've ever scored? Goal against Leicester this season. Best player I've faced? Reese James. Who I combine best with? Bukayo Saka. Best moment of my career so far? Scoring against Al Nasser. One thing I want in my career? Win the World Cup. About you. Favourite footballer of all time, Ronaldinho. If I could be any footballer, I'd be Lionel Messi. Favourite follow on Instagram, 433. 
Favourite musician? Gunner. Favourite pre-match song? Chanel by Young Thug, Lil Baby, Gunner. Best footballing attributes? Finishing, link-up play. One thing I need on an away day? My iPad. First team players I look up to? Laka and Abba. Best thing about being at Arsenal? Learning from world-class players and staff. My favourite TV series is Prison Break. My ideal cheat meal is Chinese. Around the academy. Who will make it? Bakayo Saka. Most skills in their locker. Trey Coyle. Best passing range. Matt Smith. Best touch. Me. Most two-footed. Emil Smith-Rowe. Would-be best manager. James Olanyinka. Most committed. Harry Clark. Strongest, Joseph Oluwu. Rate yourself. Pace, 8 out of 10. Dribbling, 7 out of 10. Passing, 9 out of 10. Shooting, 9 out of 10. Defending, 7 out of 10. Physical, 8 out of 10. Academy alumni, Josh Vickers. Josh Vickers has emerged as Lincoln City's number one goalkeeper after impressing early on this season. The goalkeeper featured prominently in our academy teams and went on loan to Cavney Island as a second-year scholar. After making 30 appearances for the Ishmian League side, Vickers signed to his first professional contract on his return to North London. He then signed for Conference Southside Concord Rangers on an initial one-month loan, but the deal was extended to the end of the 2014-2015 season. In August 2015, he signed for Swansea City on a two-year deal and featured regularly for the under-23s throughout 2015-2016 before moving to Barnet on loan. After impressing between the sticks and making 26 appearances, the Bees finished 15th in League Two. However, this wasn't enough for the Swans to offer him a new contract at the end of the season. After being released from Swansea, Vickers joined Lincoln City following their promotion to League Two. During his first season with the Imps, he played 20 matches in all competitions and lifted the EFL trophy, but the club missed out on promotion to League One. Despite not playing in the final, Vickers qualified for a medal after playing in the 2-1 victory over Notts County. The following season, he made 18 league appearances as Lincoln lifted the 2018-2019 League Two title. In a match against Crew Alexandre, Vickers gave a man of the match display as he kept a clean sheet in a 1-0 victory. This season he has already featured 18 times for Lincoln and has made the number one spot his own. The Imps started the season brightly but lost manager Danny Cowley to Huddersfield and their form has since dipped slightly. Best of luck with the rest of the season, Josh. Academy News. Getting the ball rolling. Following Balagun returned from injury as our under-23s lost 1-0 away to Brighton and Hove Albion. The striker, who has seven goals to his name this season, had been out of action for two months after sustaining an injury in training prior to the 3-1 victory against Spurs in the Premier League 2. Balogun came off the bench against the Seagulls, but couldn't prevent our under-23s falling to their second defeat of the campaign. The 19-year-old had scored seven goals and registered four assists in nine PL2 games prior to his injury, and we wish him all the best for the rest of the season. Table toppers. Our under-23s finish 2019 in style and go into the new year at the top of their Premier League International Cup group, while sitting third in the Premier League 2 table. 
A 3-0 win against Villarreal at Meadow Park was followed by a 3-2 victory against Dynamo Zagreb, which sees Steve Bold's side sit in the driving seat in Group A. After only tasting defeat twice throughout the 2019-2020 Premier League 2 campaign so far, our under-23s are in contention to lift the title at the end of the season. We trail leaders Derby County by two points and Chelsea by one. Good luck for the rest of the campaign, lads. It's Saints in the Cup. Arsenal's under-18s will face Southampton at home in the fourth round of the FA Cup after beating Cheltenham Town on penalties on December 18th. The Gunners prevailed 4-2 in the shootout after the match had finished goalless after a tense 120 minutes at the Gloucestershire side's Johnny Rock Stadium. The Saints reached the fourth round by beating Bristol Rovers 3-1 the previous week and they will travel to face us in the week beginning Saturday, January 18th. You'll find a full match report on the Cheltenham game over the page and we want to say a big well done to our under-18s. Onwards and upwards. Premier League International Cup, Tuesday, December 17th, Meadow Park. Arsenal under 23s, 3, John Jules, 35, 90, Olajinka, 55. Dynamo Zagreb under 23s, 2, Marin, 7, Baterina, 79. Arsenal, Hein, Aluwu, McGuinness, Medley, Bola, Smith, Burton, Olajinka, Torme, McKenneth, 80, John Jules, Coyle, Balogun, 80. Subs not used, Omoli, Hilson. John Jules scored an injury time winner. We fought back from a goal down. Hein a hero with some big saves. Tyrese John Jules scored an injury time winner as we beat Dynamo Zagreb 3-2 in the Premier League International Cup. The visitors started brightly and took the lead inside seven minutes when Antonio Marin drilled a free kick from the edge of the box, under the wall and into the bottom corner. With 10 minutes to play in the first half, John Jules equalised when he collected the ball in the box and fired past Dinko Hawkers on the turn. Shortly after the restart, James Olajinka gave us the lead from close range. Zagreb hit back with 10 minutes remaining when Dominic Resitar drove down the left and fizzed a ball across the box and Rocco Batterina tapped in from close range. FA Youth Cup, Wednesday, December 18th, Johnny Rock Stadium, Cheltenham Town under 18s, nil. Arsenal under 18s, nil. Arsenal won 4 2 on penalties AET. Arsenal, Grakzig, Oyoki, Agungvo, Patino, Monlui, Kirk, Foran 109, Albiosu, Plang 93, Cottrell, Kirjan 113, Matthews, Greenwood, Butler Oyadeji, Dennis 76. Subs not used, Mitchell, Flores. We progressed into the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup. Grakzik was the penalty hero. Sam Greenwood looked lively. Hubert Grakzik was our shootout hero as we beat Cheltenham Town on penalties to reach the fourth round of the FA Youth Cup. After a goalless 120 minutes, our goalkeeper denied Charlie Stanton from the spot before Callum Ebanks fired over as we booked our spot in the next round. In a game full of twists and turns, Ben Cottrell and Sam Greenwood had early opportunities to open the scoring, but neither could get the better of Freddie Lapworth in the Robins' goal. Grakzik was then called into action after the interval, acrobatically palming Ebank's goalbound effort away. The hosts almost nicked a late winner when a flicked-on cross flew over our defensive line, but Connor Jackway couldn't react quickly enough at the far post as the game went into extra time. 
Again, we started on the front foot, and Alex Kirk came close when he rose highest to head a corner inches wide of the post. Moments later, Lapworth parried an effort into Luke Plange's path, only for his strike to be cleared off the line. Gratzik then made two crucial stops to preserve his clean sheet, first denying Jakeways with a reaction stop before clawing an in-swinging corner off the line to take the game to penalties. Sam Greenwood, Alfie Matthews, Matthew Dennis and Patino scored from 12 yards before our keeper's heroics won the tie. Academy reports. Words, Sam Cox. Premier League 2, Friday, December 13th. American Express EFP Centre. Arsenal under-23s, nil. Brighton and Hove Albion under-23s, 1. Guagis, 53. Arsenal, Macy, Aluwo, Medley, McGuinness, Bola, Uk Enif, 90. Burton, Smith, Olyinka, Torme, Cottrell, 85. John Jules, Coyle, Balogun, 85. Subs not used, Omoli, Hilson. McGuinness made his first league start of the season, Macy made some important saves. Balogun returned from injury. A disappointing night on the south coast saw our unbeaten run come to an end as we lost 1-0 to Brighton and Hove Albion. Zek Medley came close in the opening stages when he met Nathan Tormey's accurate cross from the right but saw his powerful header fly over the bar. Midway through the first half, we thought we had taken the lead when Thomas McGill clawed Tormey's deflected cross away from the goal line and the referee waved away calls for a goal to be given. On the stroke of half-time, Brighton should have been ahead when Peter Guagis broke free of our defence, drove into the box and fired an effort onto the post before Matt Smith blocked his follow-up effort. Early in the second half, the hosts broke the deadlock when Guagis controlled the ball midway through our half, cut inside and curled an unstoppable shot into the top corner from 25 yards. Moments later, we were reduced to 10 men when Robbie Burton received a second yellow card for a foul on the halfway line. And Matt Macy prevented the hosts doubling their advantage when he kept out Guagis's header from close range with a smart save. With 15 minutes remaining, Medley went close again with a header, but he could only look on as his effort bounced off the post. Deep into injury time, James Olajinka came inches away from an equaliser when his attempted cross evaded McGill and struck the crossbar before the ball was cleared. After the match, Mark McGuinness said, Obviously it was a disappointing result, but I think we played well as a team. To get 90 minutes under my belt was great. It was disappointing to lose Robbie, but as we went to 10 men, I thought we did really well. We created a lot more opportunities, and we really pinned them in their own half. The character from the boys is top, and we were unlucky not to get a goal. We've only got one more game until the break, and I'll try to get another 90 minutes under my belt in that game, and then, going into the new year... Hopefully, we can kick-start some more appearances from January. The Breakdown. Reserves and Youths. Under-23 Premier League 2 fixtures, 2019-2020. 7pm kickoff unless stated. Monday, August 12th. Away. Blackburn Rovers. 3-1. Friday, August 16th. Home. Brighton Hove Albion. 2-1. Friday, August 23rd. Home. Everton. 2-2. Friday, August 30th. Away. Derby County, 2-2. Saturday, September 14th. Home, Leicester City, 2-1. Friday, September 20th. Away, Wolverhampton Wanderers, 2-2. Saturday, September 28th. Home, Liverpool, 2-2. Friday, October 18th. Away, Chelsea, 1-3. Saturday, October 26th. Away, Manchester City, 12pm, 1-1. 
Friday, November 1st, away, Tottenham Hotspur, 3-1. Saturday, November 23rd, home, Southampton, 1-0. Friday, December 6th, home, Blackburn Rovers, 3-1. Friday, December 13th, away, Brighton and Hove Albion, 0-1. Monday, January 6th, home, Derby County. Monday, January 13th, away, Everton. Monday, February 2nd, away, Liverpool, 1pm. Monday, February 17th, home, Chelsea, 1pm. Friday, February 28th, home, Manchester City. Friday, March 13th, home, Tottenham Hotspur. Monday, April 6th, away, Southampton. Friday, April 17th, away, Leicester City. Friday, May 1st, home, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Premier League International Cup Fixtures 2019-2020, 7pm kickoff. Wednesday, November 27th, home, Villarreal, 3-0. Tuesday, December 17th, home, Dynamo Zagreb, 3-2. Thursday, January 9th, home, Leicester City. PL2 Division 1 League Table 2019-2020. Play 13. Win 7, draw 4, lose 2, 4, 27, against 20, goal difference 7, points 25. Chelsea, play 12, win 6, draw 6, lose 0, 4, 24, against 14, goal difference 10, points 24. Arsenal, play 12, win 6, draw 5, lose 2, 4, 24, against 18, goal difference 6, points 23. Leicester City, play 13, win 6, draw 4, lose 3, 4, 22, against 15, goal difference 7, points 22. Brighton and Hove Albion, play 13, win 6, draw 1, lose 6, 4, 26, against 21, goal difference 5, points 19. Tottenham Hotspur, play 13, win 5, draw 2, lose 6, 4.23 against 24, goal difference minus 1.17. Liverpool, play 13, win 4, draw 5, lose 4, 4.24 against 32, goal difference minus 8.17. Everton, play 12, win 4, draw 4, lose 4, 4.23 against 21, goal difference 2.16. Blackburn Rovers, Play 13, win 4, draw 2, lose 7, 4.21 against 22, goal difference minus 1.14. Manchester City, play 13, win 3, draw 3, lose 7, 4.19 against 22, goal difference minus 3.12. Wolves, Play 13, win 2, draw 5, lose 6, 4.17, against 23, goal difference minus 6, points 11. Southampton, play 13, win 3, draw 1, lose 9, 4.18, against 36, goal difference minus 18, points 10. Under 18 Premier League South Fixtures, 2019-2020, 11am kickoff unless stated. Saturday, August 10th, home, Chelsea, 1-2. Saturday, August 17th, away, Aston Villa, 5-1. Saturday, August 24th, away, West Ham, 1-1. Saturday, August 31st, home, Southampton, nil one Saturday, September 14th, away, Leicester City, nil one 
Saturday, September 21st, home, Brighton and Hove Albion, 12pm, 3-6. Saturday, September 28th, away, Wolves, under-18 League Cup, 3-0. Saturday, October 5th, away, Reading, 1-0. Saturday, October 19th, home, Tottenham Hotspur, 2-2. Saturday, October 26th, home, Blackburn, under-18 League Cup, 2-3. Saturday, November 9th, away, Fulham, 2-2. Saturday, November 23rd, home, Chelsea, under-18 League Cup, 1-2. Wednesday, December 18th, away, Cheltenham Town, FA Youth Cup, 0-0. Saturday, January 4th, away, Chelsea. Saturday, January 11th, home, Aston Villa, 12pm. Tuesday, January 18th, away, Southampton, 11.30am. Saturday, February 1st, home, West Ham United. Saturday, February 22nd, home, Leicester City, 11.30am. Friday, February 29th, away, Brighton and Hove Albion, 12pm. Saturday, March 14th, home, Reading. Saturday, March 21st, away, Tottenham Hotspur. Saturday, April 4th, home, Fulham. Saturday, April 18th, away, Swansea City. Saturday, April 25th, home, Norwich City, 12pm. TBA, home, Swansea City. Leasing.com Trophy Fixtures, 2019-2020. Tuesday, August 27th, away, Northampton Town, 1-1. Tuesday, October 1st, away, Peterborough United, Neil 1. Tuesday, November 5th, away, Cambridge United, 1-1. Premier League Under-18, League Table South, 2019-2020. Chelsea, play 11, win 9, draw 2, lose 0, 4, 33, against 14, Goal difference, 19. Points, 29. Fulham. Play, 11. Win, 8. Draw, 3. Lose, 0. 4, 38. Against, 14. Goal difference, 24. Points, 27. West Ham United. Play, 12. Win, 7. Draw, 3. Lose, 2. 4, 37. Against, 22. Goal difference, 15. Points, 24. Brighton and Hove Albion. Play, 10. Win 7, draw 2, lose 1, 4, 26, against 16, goal difference 10, points 23. Leicester City, play 10, win 4, draw 2, lose 4, 4, 16, against 17, goal difference minus 1, points 14. Southampton, play 11, win 4, draw 0, lose 7, 4, 17, against 25, Goal difference, minus 8. Points, 12. Reading. Play, 11. Win, 3. Draw, 2. Lose, 6. 4, 19. Against, 23. Goal difference, minus 4. Points, 11. Tottenham Hotspur. Play, 10. Win, 3. Draw, 1. Lose, 6. 4, 23. Against, 24. Goal difference, minus 1. Points, 10. Aston Villa. Play 11, win 3, draw 1, lose 7, 4, 17, against 26, goal difference minus 9, points 10. Arsenal, play 9, win 2, draw 3, lose 4, 4, 15, against 16, goal difference minus 1, points 9. Norwich City, play 11, win 1, draw 3, lose 7, 4, 21, against 37, goal difference minus 16, points 6. Swansea City, 
play 11, win 1, draw 2, lose 8, 4, 18, against 46, goal difference, minus 28, points 5. Match report, Standard Liège, Europa League, match day 6, 5.55pm, Thursday, December the 12th. Standard Liège, 2, Arsenal, 2. The first half. Standard Liège had to win by 5 to deny us qualification and were still in the hunt for the knockout stages themselves. They gave it a good go, but we kept them at arm's reach in the first half. We just about shaded the opening 45 minutes with an Emil Smith-Rowe, Baku Asaka and Reese Nelson all having efforts saved. The second half, the hosts took the early lead, although there was more than a touch of fortune about their goal. Samuel Bastien tried his luck from 22 yards and his shot took a huge deflection off Socrates. Emily Martinez, completely wrong-footed, couldn't quite reach the ball as it floated into the net. Salem Allah doubled the lead and again his goal relied on a sizeable deflection, this time off of Mav Pronis, to beat Martinez. Bakiasaka then changed the game. Firstly, his brilliant cross from the left was headed in by Alex Lacazette. He then curled home the equaliser after swapping passes with Gabriel Martinelli to guarantee us top spot in the group. Match stats. Total shots, 15. Shots on target, 6. Five corners. No offsides. Nine fouls and 58% of the possession. The breakdown chalkboard. Emil all smiles. I think Emil done extremely well in Belgium on Thursday and I wanted to give him a chance. I think he did well when he came on. Those were Freddie Lundberg's words after handing Emil Smith-Rowe his Premier League debut against Man City on December the 15th. The game in Belgium that Lundberg was referring to was the 2-2 Europa League draw against Standard Liège that sealed the top spot in Group F on the final match day. And it was certainly another mature performance from the teenager in the European competition. Playing high up in the pitch as part of the front three with Alexander Lacazette and fellow academy product Elise Nelson, Smith-Rowe actually had the highest average position of any Arsenal player on the night. The 19-year-old previously had been used mainly in midfield for the Gunners. His outing in Belgium was his ninth start for the first team. And he showed his natural passing ability against Standardly aged too. He completed 82% of his 45 passes, more than any other forward, and also forward a save from goalkeeper Boda in the 13th minute. The Hale and Academy product had to be patient with injuries, but he has showed what he is capable of with the two goals in the Europa League last term. Next, he aims to make his mark in the Premier League too. Club. Screen test. Bertie on the BBC. Over the decades, Arsenal have had a big influence on popular culture. Historian John Sperling looks at the Gunners' unique impact off the pitch. Journalists considered Arsenal manager Bertie Mee reserved, intensely private and often aloof. Mee was invariably reluctant to oblige with a soundbite. 
not that such a term existed when he became manager in 1966, immediately after a game. Press hacks knew they'd have to wait until the following day for me, Arsenal's former physiotherapist, to provide them with the quote they craved. Me later refused to appear with more colourful characters like Brian Clough and Malcolm Allison on football panels, which were a la mode in the early 70s. He also turned down the Beatles biographer Hunter Davis's request to spend the 1971-72 season with the Arsenal team and write a warts and all account of the ups and downs of a Division I club throughout the campaign. Instead, Davis spent a season observing the Gunners' North London rivals, Tottenham, at close quarters. The glory game remains one of the finest sports books ever written. Davis initially believed that me might have been open to his suggestion because, in the 1968-69 season, me agreed to be filmed by the BBC for a one-hour episode of the Man Alive series entitled Football Manager. For its time, Football Manager was revolutionary, raw and unvarnished. Despite the jazzy theme tune... Man Alive prided itself on hard-hitting insights into topics including homelessness, inner-city life and skinheads. The documentary focused on Mee's managerial role at Arsenal and former gunner Laurie Scott as player-manager at Bradford Park Avenue. A three-minute segment is available via the BBC archive on Facebook and the British Film Institute still has the documentary in its entirety. It provides a fascinating insight into the world of a man who was unexpectedly elevated to the top job at Highbury after Billy Wright's departure in the 1966 close season. The press was awash with rumours that Chairman Dennis Hillwood was only keeping the managerial hot seat available for England's World Cup winning manager Alf Ramsey and that me would be in charge for a few months. He ended up as manager for a decade. On the Man Alive documentary, me initially bristles at the question as to why the Gunners board invited him to be the boss, responding, Well, that's rather an embarrassing question to ask. Perhaps they liked the shape of my nose, or perhaps they heard something of my reputation. I don't really know. Ken Fryer later argued that Mee's man-management skills, attention to detail and high standards which he displayed as physiotherapist after joining Arsenal in 1960, were the key reasons he landed the role. When pushed again on the circumstances surrounding his appointment, Mee's innate modesty came out. Because of my lack of background in terms of a playing career, I was surprised they should offer this post to me. I thought there were quite a lot of people in the country who were definitely better qualified to do the job than I was. Me quickly realised that if he was to succeed in the job, he'd need to appoint a top coach. After Dave Sexton did invaluable groundwork with the squad, Don Howe, who, along with the mud-splattered Bobby Gould, is seen haranguing a referee after a match away at Newcastle on the programme, had already dovetailed effectively with me as the club slowly climbed out of the doldrums in the late 1960s. Skipper Frank McClintock later recalled, Bertie hired a top coach, Don, and let him get on with it. Me clearly laid out his blueprint for Arsenal in the rest of the show, and his famed Sergeant Major approach is apparent. 
was entertainment more important than winning? If they, the fans, can have an entertaining team as well, that's fine. But primarily winning is the first requisite from the spectator's point of view. Was he a disciplinarian? Very much so, yes. But I prefer to manage with enlightened discipline, not an authoritarian one. Mee's caring side, shaped by his careers in both the army and the health service, also shone through. I have always worked with people, and I have wanted to help people in the widest aspect. The Man Alive documentary also showed me, off duty, at home on Sunday with wife Doris and daughters Alison and Beverly, both clad in red dresses. As he fielded a call from a journalist, his daughters screened his phone calls. Me's only nod to a more casual approach is the fact he's wearing a cardigan over his crisp white shirt and tie. Perhaps the abiding image of the late 60s documentary is of me, essentially an outsider in the eyes of many other football managers, briskly jogging up the steps in his long overcoat into Highbury's East Stand, ready to cajole the troops once more with Arsenal on the threshold of their successes in the early 70s. I am not demonstrative and theatrical, me told the BBC film crew, but the high standards and hard work, which he referred to in Man Alive, were about to bear fruit. Thirty-five years in the community. An overview of the work the department is doing to help young people back into education in Camden. In addition to delivering our regular PL Kicks programme, this academic year has also seen us start to deliver a targeted programme of work with young people who are currently either out of mainstream education or at risk of becoming excluded. One initiative we have been working closely with is being delivered at a new unit for pupils set up at a Camden Secondary School. The Camden Reintegration Base, CRIB, is based at Haverstock School in Chalk Farm and will take up to 21 students from Year 7 to 9 throughout the borough with the aim of reintegrating them into mainstream education. Along with Premier League funding, the initiative is made possible by a grant from Camden Council's Youth Safety Task Force which was set up after a number of high-profile murders of young people in 2017. Camden Council launched an inquiry in 2018 into a possible link between knife crime and school exclusion rates, after data showed almost one in ten of Camden's secondary pupils were temporarily excluded. However, Camden has had a big reduction in exclusions. The CRIB programme is aimed at all students whose schools believe they may benefit and with a particular focus on those potentially at risk from exclusion. The crib is not like a pupil referral unit, as students who go to them have often been permanently excluded, so they are at that time in their educational lives not suitable for mainstream. The key difference with the crib is that it is trying to reduce the number of students for whom that might be the outcome. Attendance at the crib is not seen as a punishment, but a positive intervention. Students are taught national curriculum subjects, coupled with therapeutic support and specialist team and character-building activities. Over the eight-week period, students slowly start to integrate into their mainstream school. 
This academic year sees us working alongside a range of specialist providers, including CAMHS, Camden Intervention, LB Camden Youth Service and Youth Offending Team. We have delivered programmes focusing on developing emotional resilience, conflict resolution and leadership skills, together with the delivery of a boxing activity programme. Feedback from crib management has been very positive. The students have really enjoyed working with Arsenal's fantastic staff and particularly enjoyed the boxing sessions, which gave them structure and discipline skills they require in the classroom. Students displayed greater emotional resilience and are more comfortable dealing with conflict since they began working with the Arsenal staff, who have been fantastic from the beginning. Have a stock teacher. Photo of the week. Arsenal in the community's Twitter account, at AFC Community, highlights some of this month's community work. Our employability students have just completed a six-week course with our friends at Eat Club Org, where they have been learning new kitchen skills whilst cooking healthy, quick and easy-to-prepare meals. This concludes 35 years in the community. My Story The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation has supported integrated therapy and education to set up the Pep Talk Therapy Series, which provides a variety of specialised therapy sessions for families concerned about their child's communication, language and learning. Aisha Taylor-Rivoire tells us how sessions at Emirates Stadium helped her four-year-old son, Louis. I'm a North Londoner born and bred, but only moved to Islington seven years ago, and I didn't realise until then how involved Arsenal are in the local community. My son Louis was diagnosed with autism in August 2018, when he was three. Most autistic people have several challenges that present themselves in different ways, so there isn't just one specific treatment. For Louis, it affected his speech and language, which also fed into his sensory perception. There is a broad spectrum of sensory challenges. Some people can't feel pain, others can't stand being tickled. One analogy is that his sensory cup is fuller than other people's. Before he was diagnosed, if we arrived at an event, a birthday party for example, and he wasn't the first one there, he wouldn't want to go in. Now I know it's because the room was too loud and his sensory cup was full. We tried to find a therapist, but the NHS is so stretched that there simply weren't the resources for one-to-one sessions without having to wait for ages. I decided to go private and got in touch with Laura and Louisa at Therapy and Education, and it was on her mailing list that I discovered the sessions at Arsenal. The sensory rooms contrast dark and light and feature a lot of textures to help with sensory processing. Louis really enjoyed it. There are two other senses beyond the usual ones that affect people with autism. Vestibular, which is your balance, and proprioceptive, which is your awareness of the space around you. These are the things that can make him hyperactive, and calming him down can be as simple as wrapping him in a big bear hug or a foam mat. The sessions have given us coping strategies so we can recognise when he's on edge and we can calm him. We also got a written report that outlines his needs and that's brilliant because we've been able to share it with his school and other professionals who work with him. 
six sessions made such a difference. Louis is now more organised and controlled, and we, his parents, are better educated about his needs. With the NHS so stretched, it needs other people to pick up the slack, and it's fantastic that Arsenal help in this way. More people are being diagnosed all the time, and the more diagnoses, the fewer resources there are to deal with all their needs. That's where Arsenal have stepped up. For more info, visit Facebook or Instagram at therapy.andeducation. Match report, Manchester City, Premier League, match day 17, 4.30pm kickoff, Sunday, December the 15th at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal nil, Manchester City 3. Goals by De Bruyne, 2 minutes. Sterling, 15 minutes. De Bruyne, 40 minutes. First half. There was goal mouth action at both ends inside the first two minutes. First, Gabriel Martinelli forced a good save from Ederson before Man City broke and Kevin De Bruyne finished smartly from a Gabriel Jesus cutback to take the lead. Shortly afterwards, De Bruyne was the supplier, this time for Raheem Sterling to finish at the far post. De Bruyne himself made it 3-0 with another well-taken goal from the edge of the area and only a superb Lino save prevented the Belgian from claiming a first-half hat-trick. In the second half, we regrouped, but we were still unable to breach the city defence. Aubameyang was off target just after the restart and later struck a first-time shot just wide from the edge of the box. But the reigning champions also had their chances forcing Lino into a two or three more solid stop, notably from Jesus and Riyad Mraz. We had played well in flashes, but City had been ruthless, and we suffered our third consecutive home defeat and made it six without a win at the Emirates. Match stats. Total shots, six. Shots on target, one. Corners, three. Offsides, two. Fouls, nine. Possession, 42%. Arsenal Women. The latest news and results from the Women's Super League champions. My Dima on target again. FA Women's Super League, Sunday, December the 15th, the Pure Stadium. Everton 1, Arsenal 3. Scoring for Everton was Kelly in the 78th minute and for Arsenal, Maidema in the 14th and 57th minutes and Little on the 55th minute with a penalty. We ended 2019 in style with an impressive 3-1 win over Everton at the Pure Stadium. Viviane Maidema was at her very best, scoring twice to maintain our place at the top of the Women's Super League table, but the afternoon was unfortunately overshadowed by Beth Mead leaving the field on a stretcher. As ever, we made a fast start and wasted no time in stamping our authority on the game, with Maidema climbing high inside the area to head the ball past Tignarica Copello into the top corner. That goal saw the Netherlands international equal Kim Little's club record for scoring in six consecutive WSL fixtures. The latter had provided the assist with a perfectly weighted cross. We continued to dominate play in search of a second before the break, 
but all momentum was killed when Gabriel George arrived late with a challenge on Meade, forcing the England international to be taken off on a stretcher. Little then went on to win a penalty and find the bottom right corner to double our advantage, before Maidema scored her second and our third of the afternoon by latching on to Leonie Myers' cross at the far post. Maidema remains the WSL's top scorer this season with 14 goals in just nine starts. With Chelsea dropping points at Liverpool, this win ensures we end 2019 on top of the table with 27 points from 10 games. Playing for Arsenal were Zinsberger, Evans, Williamson, Schneiderbeck, McCabe, Walty, Little, Ruud, Van der Donk, Maidema, Mead, substituted by Meyer in the 38th minute. Subs not used were Pere Manyin, Quinn, Nobbs, Phyllis and Grant. Quick on the draw, two former players, Josie Henning and Kelly Smith, were UEFA's guest of honour to help make the draw for the men's Europa League round of 32 last week. Henning had two spells with us, winning the FA Cup in 2015 before retiring last year. The Olympic gold medal winner with the Germany national team drew out Olympiakos, while Freddy Canute pulled our ball from the pot. Gunners legend Kelly Smith made the draw for the men's Champions League last 16. Reading in the Continental Cup We will face Reading at home in the last eight of the Continental Cup. Our quarter-final match will take place at Meadow Park in the week beginning January the 13th with a 7.30pm kick-off. We are record five times winners of the Cup, but lost on penalties in the 2019 final to Manchester City. The full draw is as follows. Arsenal vs Reading, Sheffield United vs Manchester City, Manchester United vs Brighton and Hove Albion, Chelsea vs Aston Villa. Get well soon, Beth. Following her injury against Everton, Beth Mead is currently receiving treatment for bruising to her lower left leg. The good news is that an X-ray confirmed that there is no fracture and she has now begun her rehabilitation programme. What a year! Our win over Everton was our 34th and final match of an incredible 2019. The highlight of the year was obviously clinching the league title in April, but there were memorable performances throughout the past 12 months. Joe Montemurra's side won 29 of the 34 games, drawing one and losing the other four. The team scored a remarkable 109 goals throughout 2019, with Vivian Maidema scoring 37 of them. The Dutch striker took the Golden Boot Award last season, and is in pole position to retain that award this term. Maidema has netted 14 in the league so far this term at a rate of 56 minutes per goal. She's also contributed seven assists. Beth England of Chelsea is her closest rival with six goals to her name. Visitors Chelsea Football Club Words Mike Hammond Seven months to the day since they last faced Arsenal in the 2018-19 Europa League final, Chelsea closed an eventful year and decade 
with a visit to Emirates Stadium, where they will be hoping for more of the same. That victory in the capital of Azerbaijan put a positive seal on a season in which the West Londoners also finished third in the Premier League, albeit 26 points behind champions Manchester City, to ensure that they had already qualified for this season's Champions League. However, the club's first season under Italian coach Maurizio Sarri, successful though it was in the end, also turned out to be the last. Sarri, a replacement for his compatriot Antonio Conte, never quite endeared himself to the Chelsea fans, despite a largely impressive collection of results, but there was never any likelihood that the man the club chose to replace him would suffer from any lack of popular support. Stamford Bridge icon Frank Lampard, despite his lack of managerial experience, was the obvious candidate to step into Sarri's shoes, and he duly signed a three-year contract in early July. There has been a very different look to Chelsea this season, with Belgian superstar and frequent Arsenal nemesis Eden Hazard at Real Madrid and the club banned from conducting any summer transfer activity, the new manager was obliged to recall several of the club's academy graduates from loan spells. And the likes of Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount and Fikeo Tomori have all thrived to the extent that they have earned call-ups for England this season. In terms of results, Chelsea took a while to find their best form at home. They didn't win at Stamford Bridge until the fifth attempt, a 7-1 Carabao Cup win against Grimsby. But from late September through to early November, they won six Premier League fixtures in a row, including away at Southampton, Burnley and Watford, to burst into the top four. That position came under threat in the run-up to Christmas, as they lost four league games out of five before they turned their fortunes around with a crucial 2-0 win at Tottenham Hotspur on December the 22nd, thanks to a pair of goals from Willian to consolidate their position in the top four. In Europe, Chelsea won't be defending their Europa League trophy because they made it through their Champions League group as runners-up to Valencia and will face Bayern Munich in the round of 16. Before that, on January the 5th, they host Nottingham Forest in the third round of the FA Cup. Chelsea Fact File Formed 1905 Nickname The Blues Stadium Stamford Bridge Owner Roman Abramovich Record Appearance Maker Ron Harris 713 Record Goalscorer Frank Lampard 211 Instagram Followers 19.8 million Head to Head we faced Chelsea a total of 198 times, with the Blues winning 64 matches to our 76, with 58 draws. Last season, first-half goals from Alexandre Lacazette and Laurent Koscielny secured a 2-0 victory at Emirates Stadium. Super Frank Frank Lampard became Chelsea's record goalscorer when he netted a brace against Aston Villa in 2013. The current Chelsea boss finished with 211 goals for the club. Net gains. Former Arsenal and Chelsea goalkeeper Petr Cech recently joined semi-pro ice hockey team Guildford Phoenix. He was named man of the match on his debut after saving two penalties in a shootout victory. Pitched in. The Blues are the only club to appoint three consecutive player managers, Glenn Hoddle, Ruud Hullet and Gianluca Vialli. The skipper, 28, Cesar Azpilicueta, defender. Born Pamplona, Spain, 28th of August 1989. Previously, 
Mosasuna, Marseille. César was signed from Marseille in 2012 and has proved to be one of the West London club's most astute signings of recent years, offering decisive contributions at full-back on both flanks. Although a Spanish international with 25 caps, he has never been a regular for La Roja. But it is a very different story at Chelsea, where he rarely misses a game and recently played his 350th match for the club. He was appointed club captain in the summer. The midfield dynamo, number seven, Nagulo Kante, midfielder, born Paris, France, 29th of March 1991. Previously, Boulogne, Caen, Leicester City. A winner of the Premier League in each of his first two seasons in England, firstly with Leicester in 2015-16, then with Chelsea. The all-action 20-year-old is widely regarded as one of the best midfielders on the planet and was a World Cup winner with France in 2018. His relentless ability to turn defence into attack with tackles, interceptions and sudden acceleration makes him a huge asset, although injuries have stifled his impact to a certain extent this term. The Wing Wizard, number 10, Willian, attacker, born, Ribeiro Pires, Brazil. 9th of August 1988. Previously, Corinthians, Shakhtar Donetsk, Anzi Makhachakala. Signed in August 2013 for £30 million from Russian club Anzi, the tricky Brazilian winger has gone on to become a key player for Chelsea. Twice a Premier League winner, he has made over 300 appearances for the club and cemented his place in Frank Lampard's side after starting this season on the bench. Fast, skillful, and a deadly striker of free kicks, the 31-year-old has won 70 caps for Brazil and has appeared in the last two World Cups. The keeper, number one, Kepa Arizabalaga. Goalkeeper, born Ondarara, Spain, 3rd of October 1994. Previously, Bilbao Athletic, Ponferradina, loan, Valladolid, loan, Athletic Bilbao. Chelsea spent a world record fee for a goalkeeper of £71.6 million 18 months ago to replace Thierbourg Courtois with Kepa, a long-time Spain youth and under-21 international who is now a regular rival to David De Gea in the senior side. The 25-year-old had less than two years of the first-choice keeper at Athletic Bilbao but he has generally proved value for money at Stamford Bridge, despite a major falling out with ex-manager Maurizio Sarri during last season's Caribou Cup final. Head-to-head, 2019-20. Arsenal versus Chelsea. Average goals per game. Arsenal, 1.4. Chelsea, 1.8. Shots, excluding blocked. Arsenal, 152. Chelsea, 203. Percentage of shots on target. Arsenal 48.7, Chelsea 52.2. Fouls. Arsenal 25, Chelsea 27. Cards. Arsenal. Red 1, Yellow 38. Chelsea. Red 0, Yellow 27. Percentage goals to shots. Arsenal 15.8, Chelsea 15.3. Corner kicks, Arsenal 128, Chelsea 106. Average goals conceded per game, Arsenal 1.6, Chelsea 1.5. The boss, 
Frank Lampard, manager, born June 20th, 1978, Romford, previously Derby County, 2018-19. stroke One season in charge of Derby in the Championship was all it needed to persuade Chelsea to bring Frank back to Stamford Bridge as their manager. The 41-year-old club legend becoming the first Englishman to manage the club in 23 years. During a 13-year playing career in West London, the ex-West Ham midfielder played 648 games for the club, the fourth highest of all time, and also became Chelsea's record scorer despite playing every game in midfield. He also scored 29 goals in 106 appearances for England, representing his country at Euro 2004 and three World Cups. Cosmopolitan In a match against Southampton in 1999, Chelsea became the first British team to field a side made up entirely of foreign players. The team that day included Didier Deschamps, Roberto Di Matteo and Gus Poirier. Number 1s In 1928, Chelsea and Arsenal became the first teams in British football to appear with numbers on their shirts. The Blues wore them against Swansea City, while Arsenal featured them against Sheffield Wednesday. European excellence. Chelsea were the first British club to win all three major European trophies. The Blues lifted the Champions League in 2012, the Europa League in 2013 and the Cup Winners' Cup in 1971 and 1998. Manchester United completed the set by winning the Europa League in 2017, but Liverpool never won the Cup Winners' Cup before it was scrapped in 1999. The Register. Number 5. Jorginho, midfielder. Born in Bituba, Brazil, 20th of December 1991. Previously, Verona, San Boniface, Lone, Napoli. Jorginho joined Chelsea on July the 14th, 2018, the same day as his former Napoli boss, Maurizio Sarri. But whereas Sarri departed after a year, the 28-year-old Brazilian-born Italy international midfielder has remained a key player under new boss Frank Lampard. A central midfield pivot, he is Chelsea's main distribution hub and also a reliable penalty taker with his slow, idiosyncratic run-up that invariably sees the ball end up in the bottom corner as the goalkeeper dives the wrong way. The newcomer, number 22, Christian Pulisic. Attacker, born Hershey, United States, 18th of September 1998. Previously, Borussia Dortmund. Although Chelsea were not permitted to sign any new players in the summer, they had already secured a £58 million deal for Christian in January before loaning him back to Dortmund. Regarded as one of the most talented American footballers of all time, the 21-year-old took a while to get going in England, but stamped his mark on the Premier League with a perfect hat-trick at Burnley in October that made him the youngest Chelsea player to score a treble. The goal scorer, number 9, Tammy Abram, attacker, born Camberwell, 2nd of October 1997. Previously, Bristol City, loan, Swansea City, loan, Aston Villa, loan. Tammy has taken the Premier League by storm this season, becoming Chelsea's first choice centre-forward and reaching double figures for Premier League goals by mid-November, helped by a hat-trick in a 5-2 win at Wolves. The 22-year-old made his Chelsea debut back in May 2016 before spending three seasons out on loan, 
the last of them in 2018-19 at Aston Villa, where he helped the club win promotion with 26 goals. He is now a regular England squad member. The Young Gun, number 19, Mason Mount, midfielder, born Portsmouth, 10th of January 1999. Previously, Vitesse, loan, Derby, loan. Mason has been on Chelsea's books since the age of six, although he had to wait until this season before representing the club at senior level. A loan spell with Dutch feeder club Vitesse helped his development before he prospered last term on loan at Derby under Frank Lampard. Handed a regular starting berth at Chelsea this season, the young playmaker scored three goals in his first five Premier League games and has won six England caps, his first international goal coming against Kosovo last month. Scouting report by Michael Cox Despite, or perhaps because of, the transfer ban that meant Chelsea weren't allowed to sign players in the summer, this feels like a very different side to the one that faced Arsenal in the Europa League final earlier this year. Frank Lampard has blooded plenty of youngsters, improved the side's passing tempo and recently recorded an impressive 2-0 victory at Tottenham, where he outwitted his former manager Jose Mourinho. That victory came with the use of a 3-4-3 system, although Lampard has usually switched between 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1 by flipping the tilt of the midfield trio. And it's in that zone where arguably the greatest improvements have been made. Jorginho frequently criticised for his unambitious passing last season, has become a reliable orchestrator from deep, while Mateo Kovacic has also been more forward-thinking. Then there's Nogolo Kante, who has been given licence to make more forward runs and has often popped up in goal-scoring positions. There's also been a very positive development in the form of Mason Mount, who has been fielded as a number 10 from the left of a front three, or, as in the win away at Spurs, drifting in field from an inside right position. His appreciation of space has been particularly impressive, while William has also enjoyed a good run of form, sometimes being fielded from a left-sided position where he rarely received an opportunity in recent years because of the presence of Eden Hazard. Up front, Michi Batshuayi has sometimes come off the bench and the familiar figure of Oliver Giroud is a useful super sub. But the main man has been Tammy Abram, who has positioned himself well to regularly convert from close range, but has also impressed in terms of movement and link play. His relationship with Mount has been particularly good. Christian Pulisic has provided some of the qualities of Hazard, dribbling inside from the left and providing clinical low finishes. At the other end, Kepa Arizabalaga isn't the most imposing goalkeeper, and has sometimes struggled with high balls but his distribution is impressive. Ahead of him, Fikeo Tomori is a composed and speedy defender to the left, while Kurt Zuma has recovered from a difficult opening to the campaign to look solid alongside him. Antonio Rudiger is also an option, and the trio performed impressively together in that 3-4-3 at Tottenham. Lampard will rotate at full-back over Christmas. The development of the attack-minded Rhys James gives options on the right which means Cesar Azpilicueta has sometimes reverted to the left. He's a better defensive option than Emerson Palmieri or Marcus Alonso, although the latter offers continual forward running that proved crucial in the win over Spurs and has a good track record against Arsenal. This concludes The Visitors.
Everton, Premier League, match day 18, 12.30pm, Saturday, December 21st, Goodison Park, Everton nil, Arsenal nil, Everton, 1, Pickford, 19, Sibidi, 13, Mina, 2, Holgate, 12, Dingney, 26, Davies, yellow card, 10, Sigurdsson, yellow card, 8, Delft, 72, 17, Iwobi, 11, 7, Richallison, 9, Calvert-Lewin, Substitutes, Steckenilberg, Coleman, Keane, 72, Baines, Bernard, Tolson, 11, 80, Keane, 80, Arsenal, 1, Leno, 15, Maitland-Niels, 21, Chambers, yellow card, 23, David Louise, 77, Saka, yellow card, 34, Zaka, 11, Torreira, 24, Nilsson, 32, Smith-Rowe, 66, 35, Martinelli, 14, Abamayang, 78, Substitutes, Martinez, Mustafi, Mavropanos, Gwendozi, Willock, 66, yellow card, Pepe, Lacazetti, 78. First half. Mikel Arteta watched from the Everton director's box as Freddie Lundberg's final game as interim boss ended in stalemate at Goodison Park. The Swedes named Arsenal's youngest starting lineup since May 2011, with Emil Smith-Rowe making his Premier League debut in midfield, Bukayo Saka filling in at left-back, and Rhys Nelson and Gabriel Martinelli occupying the wide attacking positions. The first half was a tentative affair between two sides lacking confidence, but the Gunners were organised in defence and restricted the hosts to hopeful crosses. Equally, we struggled to break Everton down, although Martinelli did flash a shot wide from Lucas Torreira's through ball just before half-time. Second half. While the second half was livelier than the first, scoring opportunities were still at a premium. Everton had a half chance when a scramble in the area saw a shot deflect off Callum Chambers and spin inches wide, but in truth that was as close as either side came to a breakthrough as the points were shared. Match stats. Total shots. Everton 9, Arsenal 6. Shots on target. Everton 0, Arsenal 2. Corners. Everton 5, Arsenal 4. Offsides, Everton 0, Arsenal 1. Fouls, Everton 10, Arsenal 11. Possession, Everton 43%, Arsenal 57%. My Arsenal. Every week we speak to a fan to get their highs, their lows and their heart-stopping moments. Email programme at Arsenal. .co.uk to take part. This week is Peter Burnham, 30 years old, season ticket holder from Slough. Why are you an Arsenal fan? My dad said if I supported anyone else, I would live in the shed. <laughs> also, my nan worked at the Woolwich Arsenal. First game, Champions League at the old Wembley, 1998. Favourite game, Reading 5, Arsenal 7 at the Majeski Stadium. When we were 4-0 down, amazing game and result. What's your match day routine? Food in King's Cross, then tube to Arsenal. We stop at the Salvation Army Soldier for a chat, then head into the ground and have a chat with the stewards in our block. How do you feel when you approach the ground? When you approach the Emirates Stadium, you can't help but feel excited. Where's the best place in the stadium to watch the game from? 
block six in the clock end as the fans are always singing. Furthest you've travelled to watch Arsenal play? Manchester to watch us beat Tottenham in the 2001 FA Cup semi-final. Favourite piece of Arsenal memorabilia? The original bruised banana away shirt. Do you collect any Arsenal-related memorabilia? I have most of the shirts since I was born. What obscure piece of Arsenal memorabilia do you own? A foam finger from the Champions League at Wembley. Do you collect Arsenal programmes? Yes, I get a programme at every game when I go. I have them going back to the 70s. What do you wear to games? I either wear the current away shirt or a classic shirt. Whose name and number do you have on the back of your shirt? Rowcastle 7. But I have other heroes as well on other shirts. All-time favourite player and why? Dennis Bergkamp. Everything he did on the pitch was special and changed the way Arsenal played. Best Arsenal goal you've seen live? Aubameyang's second goal against Tottenham last season. Best debut performance you've seen? Jack Wiltshire at the Emirates Cup. Have you ever met any Arsenal players? David Seaman in a shop where I used to work in Windsor. Which current Arsenal player would you most like to go out for dinner with? Freddie Lundberg, not a current player, but everybody loves Freddie. You can erase one Arsenal moment from history. Champions League final 2006. We should have won that. You can be present at any Arsenal match in history. Anfield 89, the best end of the season ever. and Would have loved to have been in that crowd witnessing that special night. If you could watch Arsenal play any club side in history, who would it be? Johan Cruyff's Barcelona, as they were the definition of total football. If you could play in any Arsenal team in history, which would it be? The Invincibles. I'd play behind Henri and Burkamp alongside Vieira, so I would have to replace Gilberto. Amazing. Teams. For Arsenal, head coach Mikel Arteta, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and white socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 5. Socrates Papastathopoulos. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 10. Masut Ozil. 11. Lukas Torreira. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15. Ainsley Maitland-Niles. 16. Rob Holding. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 20. Schroeder Mustafi. 21. Callum Chambers. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 26. Emiliano Martinez, goalkeeper. 27. Konstantinos Mavropanos. 28. Joe Willock. 29. Matteo Ganduzi. 31. Zird Golazinac. 32. Emil Smith Rowe. 33. Matt Macy, goalkeeper. 34. Granite Sharka. 35. Gabriel Martinelli. 77. Bukeo Saka. For Chelsea, head coach Frank Lampard. Black shirts and shorts with orange socks. 1. Kepa Arizabalaga, goalkeeper. 2. Antonio Rudiger. 3. Marcus Alonso. 4. Andreas Christensen. 5. Jorginho. 7. Angolo Kante. 
8. Ross Barkley 9. Tammy Abraham 10. Willian 11. Pedro 12. Ruben Loftus-Cheek 13. Willy Caballero, goalkeeper 15. Kurt Zuma 17. Matteo Kovacic 18. Olivier Giroud 19. Mason Mount 20. Callum Hudson-Odoi 22. Christian Pulisic 23. Michi Batshuayi 24. Rhys James 28. Cesar Aspilicueta 29. Fikio Tomori 31. Jamie Cumming, goalkeeper 33. Emerson Palmieri Match officials, referee Craig Pawson, assistant referees Lee Betts and Richard West, fourth official Martin Atkinson, VAR official Michael Oliver, additional VAR official Stephen Child. Today's other fixtures, 3pm unless stated, Liverpool versus Wolves at 4.30pm, Manchester City versus Sheffield United at 6pm. The Arsenal Foundation, helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. The 19 stroke 20 kits on sale in store and online. This is Home N5. VAR. What can it be used for? Goals. Offside in build-up. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Penalties. Awarded. Not awarded. Foul inside or outside the box. Foul by attacker in build-up. Ball out of play. Red cards. Correctly given. Incorrectly given. Not for second yellow card. Or mistaken identity. For red yellow card given to the wrong player. A new season begins. A new thrill awaits. Visit Rwanda, official tourism partner of Arsenal Football Club. In the hard copy, there is a glorious photograph. The caption is, The canopy walkway in Rwanda's Nyangwe Forest is a hanging footbridge suspended 70 metres, 230 feet, above the forest floor and running a total length of 160 metres, 525 feet. The website, www.visitrwanda.com On Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at visitrwanda underscore now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.